you have your Bibles this morning. Um, we're going to begin in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 13. And it says, this is the third time I'm coming to you. Uh, so, understand that most of the New Testament is written, written to disciples, to, to the church. Uh, some of those disciples had been saved. Some of those disciples had not been saved. Uh, they had not gone through that process of receiving the Holy Spirit. But again, uh, most of this is written. And Paul is frustrated by this time. This is the third time he's had to come and address a situation of how the church lives. See, the problem we have today is the church wants to look at how about how everybody else is living, how that homosexual's doing, how the abortion clinics are doing, how the drug addicts are doing, how the prostitutes doing, how that but how are you doing? I think God is not pleased with the church today. You see, we live in a in a society, in a world that we have allowed people to say, well, if I just proclaim Jesus, then then everything's okay. As long as I just tell people that I'm a Christian and tell people that uh, about you need to you need to say a prayer and, and, and don't you want to go to heaven and, and, and they've missed the truth of the scriptures in that fact that this is greater than that. This is a miraculous event in the lives of man that create a new creature within them which allows them to walk above sin even though the flesh is marred by sin and will always be fleshly and all be sin. So this third time I'm coming to you, every fact is to be confirmed by the testimony of two or three witnesses. You know, nowadays we have uh, situations where one person can say that you're wrong and then you're guilty until you're proven innocent. <laughs> Remember, it used to be you're innocent until proven guilty? Well, in our world today, um, all a child has to say is, oh, that guy looked at me wrong or that he touched me wrong. And all of a sudden, that person, and the child could be lying, but instead of having the witnesses and having the investigation, we put it out there and we destroy people's lives on the basis of just a child who could be using this to, to gain his own uh, whatever he wants. He doesn't like this person. I mean, it's dangerous to be around children nowadays. It's dangerous to be around, uh, and, and I will not ever counsel anybody by myself. Terry and I will go. Uh, I will never in my office by myself with anybody, especially of the opposite sex. But nowadays it would be the same sex, couldn't it, uh, in the world that we live in. Um, and understand that God gave us a mind to be able to protect ourselves. And that's why he wrote this, is that, you know, it ought to be on the witness of two or three. So, um, you know, if you've got something to say to me, it, you're going to be saying it to Terry as well. Because um, uh, she's my helper in this uh, endeavor that he got his put me into as a pastorship so um, he goes on to say I have previously said when present the second time and though now absent I say in advance to those who have sinned in the past and to all the rest as well that if I come again I'm not going to spare anybody okay I mean he's mad this dude is mad you know why he's mad because he has gone over this again and again and again and again and these people decided they're just, just, just disobedient. They're obstinate. And, and he says, I'm not going to spare anyone. I, I'm going to come and I'm going to... And why is Paul able to do this? Because God has given him authority to do this. That's why he puts pastors in place to shepherd the flock 
in truth and we have a responsibility for your soul and we care about your soul uh, to the point that uh, we distress over it sometimes. And Paul always was distressing over what he had planted. Uh, you know, he plants and he waters, uh, but it's God who causes the growth. But this distress that Paul has is a fact not because he wants to be right, not because he wants to say, I told you so, but he, he's fearing for your soul. Uh, we can't, as pastors, tell you if you're saved or not. That is not the responsibility of a church, a church member, or anybody else in your family to tell you that you're going to heaven. We are not allowed to tell people that they, oh yeah, they're in heaven. You do not have that right. God is the only one that has the right to say if you're his child or not, and it's only his children who are born again that go to be with him in his presence. And we have forgot to tell people this. And Paul is frustrated over the souls of these people in the church uh, because they just won't listen. They just won't take the truth and take it for what it is and apply it to their lives. Instead, they just hear it, they put in the time, and then they go off and they do, and it has no impact on their life. That's what religion does for you. It has no impact on your life. It makes you go do something. It makes you sacrifice something. But it doesn't help you to be something. In verse 3 it says, um, Since you are seeking for proof of the Christ which speaks in me, and who is not weak toward you, but mighty in you. See, what God did for us is what makes us strong. But what God did for us shows us our weakness. And if we don't understand our weakness, in Christ we'll never be strong. For indeed, he was crucified because of weakness. Yet he lives, why? He didn't live because of Jesus. He lives because of the power of God. And I don't think that we put Jesus in the proper perspective in this world today to understand that he came to give glory to the Father and only to do the work of the Father. And it's through Jesus Christ, he is our Lord and Savior that has been granted to him by God. But all of this is in the power of God. Jesus has no power. Okay? Of his own. He only has the power that God gave him. He even tells you, I didn't come on my own initiative. He even tells you, I don't say what I want to say, but I only speak what the Holy Spirit tells me to speak. But they wanted proof. For we also are weak in him, yet we will live with him because of the power of God directed toward us. See, this is about God reconciling us to himself, not to Jesus Christ. We're not to be reconciled to Jesus Christ. Did you realize that? But this world teaches nothing but Jesus. We have fake Jesuses out there. We have physical Jesuses out there. You are not to be reconciled to Jesus Christ. It's you being reconciled to God. 
Jesus became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. See, so many people have this relationship with this physical Jesus that doesn't lead to the power of God in their life. All they have is a religious, fleshly Jesus that doesn't do anything for them. They want a Jesus that helps all their physical ailments. But by George, don't touch me spiritually. Don't make me a new creature. Don't make me give up those things that I crave in my nature. See, I want that physical Jesus that allows me to, to what? Live any way that I want. Just proclaim him and go on and be what I want to be and do what I want to do and fit him in where I need to fit him in and, and, and just show up when I can, when I got time, when nothing else matters, the weather's too cold. See, what bothers me about people don't come when it's cold and yet they'll go and do everything else in the cold. They'll go hunting in the cold. They'll, they'll go do everything else. See, it's not a matter that you come or don't come. It's a matter that, well, would you do that if it's something you really wanted to do? See, that's, that's the truth that we need to look in our lives, isn't it? Huh? I didn't come because it was cold, but I'll go to the grocery store. I'll go to work. I'll go... Yeah, the point I'm making is that we, we, we make all these excuses of reason why we don't come and worship, but yet we don't use those same excuses to not to do what we want to do. And that's, that's the fallacy behind that. And then in verse 5, he, he warns them. He says, test yourselves. Huh? You ever tested yourself? How do you know you are who you say you are? I, I, just, I mean... Yeah, I, I love it when, when people find out I'm a pastor. I don't tell people I'm a pastor very often uh, unless the Spirit allows me to do that. Uh, but it's amazing when they find out I'm a pastor, they begin to tell me how religious they are and how all they do and how they were baptized. But no one tells me about the broken spirit. The, 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 no one tells me about their discipleship walk that led to the salvation experience. Uh, they just said a prayer, got dunked, and all of a sudden they're okay. And then they tell me about all these good things they're doing. Well, all that does is... Um, convince you and, and deceive you that you're okay with God. He says, test yourself to see if you're in the faith. I do that every day. I do that every day. Examine yourselves. See, we're so busy praying for everybody else's sins that we forget to pray for ourselves. And I've told you many times that if you're not first starting out your prayer life praying for yourself, you're no good to anybody else. See, this is about your relationship. And the only way you can help someone with along in this path of discipleship is if your relationship is healthy. And if you're not examining yourself each day, it, it didn't say to pick it up on Sunday. It didn't say to pick it up on Wednesday night. It didn't say pick it up. It, it says every day you deny yourself daily and pick up your cross and come follow him. This is not something that we do by the seat of our pants or the flyby of the night, but it's something that we make an effort in our life to make sure that this is happening. We have to examine ourselves. And what do you examine yourself with? Am I going to compare myself to Brian? Am I going to compare myself to anybody else in here? Absolutely not. I'm comparing myself with Scripture. You see, at some point as a pastor, I have to sit and say that, you know, I've done, my, I've done what I've been told to do, and if you don't listen, and if you don't become obedient to it, then, 
the blood is on your hands, not mine. See, as a pastor, we have to make sure that we're not guilty. Not only first and foremost in my own walk, but also now as a pastor, I have to examine. I have to make sure that I am concerned about one thing only, and that is your souls. I'm not concerned about how comfortable you are. I'm not concerned about how, how the, the padded seats are or, or if the carpet looks a certain color or if the songs we sing please you. What I'm concerned about is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life and that distresses me greatly in the fact that there are some that are very disobedient to that fact. And they're not taking this as a serious matter in their lives but have been brought up in religion for so long that religion has dulled the hearing and hardened the heart so much that the truth of God cannot even get into you. Don't be that person, please. Don't be that person. You know, we put so much emphasis on um, providing a service that I think we put more effort into making sure the service goes well instead of what's being taught in the service and participating as a body, if we're not participating and growing together in Sunday school, this church will never become what God wants it to become. We have to do our part. I don't care about the sound, to be honest with you. I, I have thought about just getting rid of all this stuff that's written up here. I think it's a distraction to some point. I think we need technology to worship. Do we need technology to worship? And if we don't come together and worship together as the body of Christ without distractions. Boy, that'd make people, I'd be, well, I gotta, you mean I got to hold a piece of paper and look at it to read? Well, God, you're, you're just making this too difficult for me. Paul was frustrated. He's frustrated with the church. He's not frustrated with lost people. He's frustrated with people that claim to be children of God, that be followers of Christ, and yet they keep being disobedient. Test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. Do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you? See, we talk about the Holy Spirit sealing us. But do you know... It is the sealing of the Spirit, but you know what? Jesus Christ is also in you because of the same. That's the, that's, the, that's the Trinity. But they're three separate individuals, but Christ is not only in, in, in the bodily, or yeah, the bodily form sitting right beside Jesus Christ, I mean, beside God, but He's also in the Spirit in you. When you become a child of God, He is in you. And the, help, and the helper is there with you so that the power of God is in you and the helper is in you so that you can live out this life as the scriptures tell us that we should do. There's got to be an impact on our life. And it's got to be through the truth of God. Are you measuring up to scripture? And again, he didn't write scriptures to shame you. He didn't write scriptures to condemn you. What you have to understand is you've already been condemned and he wrote the scriptures so that you would know that you are condemned. 
And then he wrote the scriptures to enlighten you of why you're condemned. He also wrote the scriptures to show you that you can't do anything about your condemnation. He also wrote the scriptures to show you where the hope is at, and that is in himself. God is his own hope for us. We have no hope. It's only through God that we have hope, and he uses his son, Jesus Christ, to bring that hope to the world, and he walked among us. The word became flesh, and, we re- and it was to be rejected so that God could graft in all of mankind. Test yourselves. Christ is in you. Unless indeed you fail the test. You see, if the fruits of the Spirit are not growing in you, and this is why last week I said, if you cannot be the same person you were last year and not further along in your walk this year, because there's no way that you can be stagnant as a child of God. You cannot be stagnant. You cannot reach a point of comfort in your relationship with God. Matter of fact, the more that God allows you to reveal, the more uncomfortable you will become. The more you will not understand it's not that the more, the more we grow, the more understanding we get. The more we grow, the more confounded we get. Because His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And we can't apply our ways to His ways. We cannot apply our thoughts to His thoughts. But this is why the new birth experience happens. So that we will have His thoughts. And we will have his ways in our life. And it will not look normal to this world that we live in. It will not make sense. But I trust that you will realize that we ourselves do not fail the test. Paul says, I've examined myself. I'm sure who I am. And it wasn't based on what Paul thought. It was based on what God told him. If your spirit does not bear witness with your spirit that you're a child of God, then you're not. If you've not been healed, if you've not been sealed by the spirit and the spirit of Jesus does not live in you and the Holy Spirit's not living in you and you do not have a battle in your life over sin and, and, and walking in a manner worthy of your calling, presenting yourself as a holy sacrifice, not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the newing of your mind, then you might not pass the test and you know when you want to know if you pass the test or not that's why you're still breathing (laughs) because if you fail the test and you only find out when you're standing before him read Matthew chapter 7 those folks were convinced that they were okay with God they were casting out demons they were sacrificing for God They were sacrificing and doing all this work in the name of Jesus for him. And he stands before them. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. They didn't pass the test. It's too late for them. Too late for them. See, it's not based on what you're doing. You don't don't decide if you're okay with, with God by what you're doing. You decide you're okay with God by what he tells you. And the only way that's revealed is through scripture. Not through an emotional experience. 
says, now we pray that you do no wrong. This is about sin, folks, and this is about not sinning. But see, when we, def- when we redefine sin in the church, when we don't look at what God calls sin, and, and, we, and we focus on all those things that you know, we don't have problems with, and, and all of a sudden we come to that conclusion that I guess we're okay, well, if you didn't prepare to come in here this morning and bring your best physically and spiritually, then you have sinned this morning. And you need to go to God this week and tell God you've sinned. And confess that. And ask Him to help you to grab the importance of worship. See, our world has made worship such an entertainment and such a thing that we're supposed to be pleasing to us. And we forgot what makes it pleasing to God. It's that you come in here with respect. You put on the best you have. I don't care if your best is, is a pair of old ragged jeans. If that's your best. But when you go out and buy or wear something to Keeneland that shows more respect to the people that are around there than to Almighty God who says, where Jesus says, if two or more gathered in my name, I'll be there in your presence. And we don't, see, we have forgotten to even expect that he is here. Or we would act differently. Well, how dare me to be uncomfortable in a suit and tie for a while. See, I don't care if you wear a suit and tie or not. I care if you wear a suit and tie to a funeral. I care if you wear a suit and tie and a tuxedo to your daughter's wedding. And yet, you don't show... God, that same respect. Do you see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? And this is why Paul's frustrated because all we want to do is focus on the, oh, what the world's doing. Why don't we focus a little bit at what the church is doing and maybe the church would have an impact. The reason the church doesn't have an impact in this world is because we've forgotten the holiness of God and to show him the reverence and respect that he deserves. This is about eternity, folks. This is about God's love for us. That is, that is, that is, makes no sense in this world that he would even consider us. Who are you to even consider man? And yet, his great love so that we wouldn't perish. Not so we'd be his buddy. Did you know wrong... Not that we ourselves may appear approved. You see, uh, they, they, didn't, they didn't follow the, the man's criteria for being able to handle God's word. They weren't, they weren't of the Levitical priesthood. They didn't go to the Baptist seminary. See, see they, they weren't trained up properly. But that you may do what is right, even though we may appear unapproved. See, it doesn't matter whether you think I'm qualified or not. If God qualifies me, it doesn't matter what you think. If you look at the qualifications and look what those God has done in my life about those qualifications, I fit those qualifications. I took the job of deacons one time and I wasn't, and I wasn't, I didn't follow those, I didn't have those qualifications. 
But this is when I was religious. This is when it was a big deal and you felt really proud about being a deacon because guess what? I, I was the youngest deacon of a, of a, of a 3,000 member church. And, and the pastor and, and all those other things led me in there contrary to the word of God. I didn't have children that believed. I hadn't proved how to run my own household well. Huh? Come on, folks. Why, why do we ignore Scripture? And then we wonder why the churches are in the mess that they're in the day. And that's what Paul fought against. He didn't show approved because he just didn't follow the, the prerequisites of men to be able to tell them about the Word of God. But God said, no, I called you, Paul. I'm sending you to the Gentiles. This is what I want you to tell them. And if they listen, great. If they don't, then it's on them. And Paul goes on to say, for we can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth. People a lot of times won't ask me what, what I think about it because I'm going to answer with Scripture. I will never tell you, well, this is my opinion. I'll either tell you I don't know, or I'll tell you what Scripture says. And you may not like, and that's why people don't ask a lot of times, because they're looking for some... The reason people ask you a lot of questions about this is because they're trying to get somebody to agree with them. I hope you're not one of those people that agree with folks just to agree with them to get along. But I hope you care enough for where they're going to spend eternity that you in love share truth with them. But see, when you don't know Scripture, how are you going to do that? How are you going to help somebody along? How can you be ready in season and out of season when you're not ready yourself? That's what he's talking about here. For we rejoice when we ourselves are weak, but you are strong. See, Paul didn't care about himself. He cared about others. He knew what his purpose was in Christ. This we also pray for you, for, for that you be made complete. More than anything else, I do not want to build this church. I do not want to add members to this church. I want those that sit under uh, my pastoring to be complete. And for you to be complete, I have to tell you some things that are harsh. When God tells me that we're not worshiping the way that we need to worship, that we still have people coming in here that are not preparing themselves to worship, I have to tell you that. When I have to tell you that the sound and all that stuff's a distraction. It's not because I lay up at night and say, well, hmm, what's going on with the people down there? It's because I get woke up in the middle of the night and he says, I'm displeased. Paul had that responsibility to tell him, the church, you're not as good as you think you are. You're not as helpful as you think you are. There's nothing more important than the two things that us churches are responsible for and that's to equip the saints and we have saints that don't want to be equipped. And to worship God and to present Him as holy.
For this reason I'm writing these things while absent, so that when I'm present I need not use severity in accordance with the authority which the Lord gave me for building up and for not tearing down. I tell you these things not to tear us down. I tell you these things so that we could become the church that God wants us to become. It's supposed to be a place where true believers and true worshipers come. Church is not for lost people. The word of God is for lost people so they can become the church. And then the church is to come worship. And that ought to be the, the pinnacle of your week. It ought to be the pinnacle of your life. Is to be able to come and sing praises. And pray to a holy God. And to learn from Him. Somehow we allowed this world to dictate a different Jesus. And a different relationship than what God writes. This is what Paul was fighting as well. Finally, brethren, rejoice. Be made complete. Be comforted. You see, where I'm comforted is that, remember, we talked about last week, he'll, if, we do, if we do our part, he'll complete the good work that he started in us. This is that if we come together in that, and this, and again, how many times, uh, be like-minded. Yes, we all have to believe exactly the same way. Yes, you have to believe exactly the same way. And see, you can see where we have a problem already. The Baptists believe one thing, the Methodists believe one thing, the Catholics believe one thing, the Pentecostals believe one thing. This right here, he's telling the church, you have to be like-minded. In Sunday school, we read that what? We have the mind of Christ. Didn't we read that? See, if you've been in Sunday school, you'd know you had the mind of Christ. See, you didn't go to Sunday school, you don't know you have the mind of Christ. And so, we're all like-minded. You cannot have a difference when it comes to Scripture. You cannot have a difference in opinions. Impossible. You've got to be like-minded. You have to live in peace. We're supposed to live quiet lives. Getting along with everyone that within our power that we can do without succumbing to the, the world's deceptions and man's cleverness. Live your life as Christ calls you to live it and you'll have enough trouble. <laughs> trouble will find you. We're not to create trouble. We're not to burn, burn, burn abortion clinics. We're not supposed to bash gay parties and stuff like that. We're not supposed to have signs on the street saying you're going to go to hell. That's not how God said to do it. That's how religious people do it. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. only if you did those other things God's peace is not with you just because you think it is God's peace of you is dependent on a lot of ifs of God 
Man, we didn't get very far today. I got four more, five more things to do. Y'all ain't hungry, are you? Y'all okay if I keep going? See, y'all afraid to say no, aren't you? <laughs> I've been in, I've been in, no. We just, we'll quit right there. I don't want to bloat you, okay? But uh, no, it's, folks, this is, listen, I have to say these things because God tells me. What you do with them, I don't care what you do with them. But God cares what you do with them. And he is going to create a, a, a church here that are true believers. And if you want to be a part of that, so be it. If you don't, God will remove you. He did it in the early churches and he does it in our churches today. There ought to be a fear of God in our lives. That's healthy. It's a healthy fear that leads to the reverence and respect of our Creator who loved us so much that He gave of Himself so that we would not perish.